Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Happy birthday to you. All right, sing it, boy. It's Wes and Walker. Oh, I like that. Okay. Do that again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Happy birthday to you. Is that all right? Mm, Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Me and Stevie. Like this. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. Bring your own guts. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. C.J. Spiller. No one's going to touch it. And your biggest heartbreaks. Hunter Renfro. Little man makes another enormous play. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. Watson. Touchdown. And every Saturday, you tap that sign. The wait is over. College football is here. Welcome back. This is the Western Walker Show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Man, when you play Clemson and they're really good and they keep scoring, you sure do get tired of hearing that. Let me tell you. Uh, I've been on uh, both sides of the coin there, man. But uh, you definitely will learn how to spell Clemson. Even in Winston Salem, because you only played Death Valley once, right? Yes, we played them twice. We ended up playing them twice uh, in. Winston Salem beat them uh, each time. There you go. Yeah, we beat them each time. All right, we well, took care of business. Okay, well, good. Tigers. Wake Forest is the real ACC power. <laughs> um, which led to the one game when we blew them out, and I was questioning what was going on. Like I legit was like, "Whoa, this game is not going like I thought it was going to go." Not that I thought we'd lose, but I was like, "Man, we're really." It beating sounds like you thought them. you were going to lose. But <laughs> this is team week. We're talking about the Clemson Tigers, and we go to the offensive side of the football to give you a little bit of a recap of what this team did last season. They averaged 33 points per game, 33.2 to be exact. That placed them fourth. In the ACC, they were fourth in total offensive touchdowns. They were fifth in yards per game, sixth in pass efficiency. Led the ACC in rushing attempts, 546 of those, but only eighth in yards per attempt last season. So definitely dink and dunk type of passing game they had. Ninth in turnover margin, that's another thing you don't want to see. If you're a Clemson football fan, especially with the type of defenses that they house, you do not want to turn the football over more than they can get it back for you. But his offense was also second in third down conversions. They were sixth in sacks against. And then they had the number one red zone offense in the ACC. And I think they really took advantage of the size of DJ Uyangalale along with Will Shipley down in that area. And then also Davis Allen was a big target as well at that tight end position and a very underrated player. But enter Garrett Riley that comes over. They fired Brandon Streeter from being the offensive coordinator after what many in Clemson would consider a lackluster offensive season. He was announced as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach of January 13th of 2023. He joined Clemson from TCU where he served as the team's offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach there, helped lead TCU to a 13-2 and record, Fiesta Bowl title, and berth in the college football playoff national championship game where they got steamrolled by the Georgia Bulldogs. He came to TCU 
following a 2021, or he came to TCU in 2021, in which they finished 5-7 and seven and produced the nation's 65th-ranked offense. But after Garrett Riley got his hands on him, he transformed the unit into the ninth-ranked offense in the country in terms of scoring at around 39 points per game. And also, they led the FBS with 22 plays from scrimmage of 50 yards or more. So when you look at why... Did they bring in Garrett Riley? Why did they pay him as much as any assistant in the country, talking $2 million to be exact? I think we just hit it with that last stat when you're talking about 22 plays from scrimmage of 50-plus yards when I just told you that this was a unit that ranked in the bottom half when you talk about yards per pass attempt. They don't want to see that in Clemson. They want to see high-flying offenses. They want to see the scoreboard just on fire because of what they're doing. With Cade Klubnick, a guy that they seem to believe in a ton. This is a Clemson offense that definitely wants to get back to the days of yesteryear where they were just absolutely hanging close to, if not over 40 points per game. Wes, do you know how many times DJU threw for over 250 yards last year? How many times? Once. Yeah. And it took two overtimes for him to do it against your Wake Forest Demon Deacons when he threw for 370 yards. Kate Klubnick, in two of his overall starts, where he got to play the entire game, he threw for 279 against North Carolina, and he threw for 320 against Tennessee. Now, they did lose that Tennessee bowl game 31-14. to They did beat North Carolina 39-10. to And that was a huge win when you talk about what they were able to do in the ACC championship and how it allowed you to feel good about Cade Klubnick going forward. And now, now they're going full on with their starting QB. Look, it's just the passing offense. Wes talked about it. You're talking about the total passing yards going up quite a bit because this has been a guy that they allowed to play that way. Regardless of how you feel about DJU compared to Kate Klubnick, whatever, that coaching staff, they did coach a little scared with not allowing DJU to sling Mm -hmm. it all over the yard, and they did so with Cade. And even if you lose against Tennessee, there was two interceptions, whatever, I I do expect this offense to get back to something close to what they were. No, maybe not Trevor Lawrence level outright. No, maybe not Deshaun Watson level outright. But they are going to get way closer to that than what you had last season. Yeah, no doubt about it. And so when you look at this group, this was a program that definitely has been lacking in the skill player department in the last few seasons. This was uh, a university where we saw Sammy Watkins come through there. We saw Nuke Hopkins. Uh, as a more recent memory, we saw T. Higgins come through there. We saw uh, Justin Ross and what he was able to do in his freshman year. And so the next guy that looks to be the player who could step up and really get back to Clemson having that wide receiver reputation is Antonio Williams. And this was a player last year that he was a freshman All-American from multiple different sources. He had 56 catches for 600 yards and four touchdowns on 690 snaps. Uh, He's a very smooth receiver, not a very big receiver, 5'11", 195 pounds. Out of Dutch Fork High School in Irmo, South Carolina. But I do like his game. The only thing that worries me a little bit about him is the fact that I feel like he may be more of a two than a one. He may be more of a complimentary wide receiver than an all-star stud that's just going to change games and dominate football games. But Antonio Williams is definitely the guy to watch for this receiving core uh, as we look ahead to this passing game that they do want to get more explosive. I I think that's why if you believe in Clemson's offense – 
then you're believing in the change working for the better, which I don't know how you couldn't. I mean, even with Cade Klubnik, I know you're not completely sold on him, but Cade Klubnik is going to have better passing totals than DJU. We did see against North Carolina, he was fantastic. Also, the argument against that is North Carolina's defense was god-awful yes. last season. He did have some great throws. He did have, even against Syracuse, when he didn't play the whole game, it's not like he came in and lit it up. But that was a real nice throw in a meaningful moment with that two-point conversion. Mm -hmm. He rolls out to the right, kind of a cross-body throw to the back of the end zone to the left side of the field, and that's what you like about what Cade Klubnik can bring you. Now you pair him with Garrett Riley, Mm -hmm. who just achieved all those stats that you talked about Mm -hmm. to lead us off in this offensive conversation. Yeah, man, I think you're going to see, I mean, Wes, we could see a monster change from what we saw last season. And so interesting that you bring that up because do you feel like that Garrett Riley is going to be under the most scrutiny and have the most pressure of any assistant coach in the country in college football this year? Because I say yes. I don't think so. The reason I don't think he's going to have more pressure than everybody, it's because you don't have to do all that much to be a better passing offense than what you were last season. Mm -hmm. And even with that, Wes, here we are talking about how bad the offense was, and Clemson lost two games. Clemson lost, at least, and not including the bowl game, I should say. Mm -hmm. So you lost against Notre Dame. You lost against South Carolina, and then eventually you lost against Tennessee in the bowl game. So they lost three times with the offense that you saw last year, and it was not good. What were they, 66th? Mm -hmm. The 66th in passing uh, offense? And again, two of the higher totals was had by Kate Klubnick. You had the first one with DJU in two overtimes, and then the next two highest passing performances were from Kate Klubnick in two of the, you know, only games that he started. Yeah, I, I think... There, there's pressure for sure, but to say that he has the most pressure, I think there's going to be a baked-in cushion when you talk about how bad it was last year and they still won games. Man, if your offense is any kind of explosive, I still expect them to win games, and we're not going to hold a lot of scrutiny towards uh, uh, Garrett Riley with what he's able to well, do. Well, this is why I say yes, because uh, and I round it to $2 million, but he's going to make $1.75, but that still places him fourth in the country when you talk about head coaching salaries, and if you really want to get technical... Uh, it's third because Jeff Lebby and Tommy Rees of Oklahoma and Alabama, respectively, each make $1.9 million. But as far as what he's been tasked to do, uh, they've talked about how we heard DJU when he left talked about the offense and how simplistic it could be. And now he's coming in with all of this gas saying how the offense, we heard from defensive players when I talked to Barrett Carter after the spring game, saying how the offense, you don't know what's coming at you. Guys crossing here, crossing there, how explosive they are. This is a team that wants to get back to the college football playoff. So after you get rid of a Brandon Streeter after one season as the offensive coordinator, yeah, you're going to have pressure coming in immensely. The Clemson fans want to get back to scoring a lot of points, and if things don't work out, then they're going to say, well, maybe Streeter wasn't the problem, and then maybe you start to look at the personnel and say maybe Gary Riley isn't what we thought, especially I know he was playing Georgia. I know how good that defense was. I saw half of them get drafted well, to the Philadelphia the- Eagles, yeah. but man, they got <laughs> drug they made that offense look like I mean they weren't hitting on a hill of beans that but Wes that is a lot of but but it was. but but that was a lot of it buts was. and that completely ignores that they were the underdog against Michigan against a team that also sure. got there based off of what was a great defensive unit sure. no doubt. and they beat that team and mm-hmm. they got to the championship game I, I mean Wes honestly I don't even think he has the most pressure among any coordinator in wow. the conference wow. not even the country what about Chip Lindsey man Chip Lindsay is a new OC coming over to North Carolina. Yeah, yeah Fiddy likes it. But, yeah, Chip Lindsay comes over, and this is your time if you're North Carolina. 
because you got Drake May for one more season, mm-hmm. and he's gone. And he's going to be the second overall pick uh, in the NFL draft right behind Caleb Williams. If Chimp Lindsey comes over here and they don't win any more than eight games and you still have the kind of crumble that you did, you lose to NC State again mm-hmm. with Drake May as your starting quarterback. I even think he's – the guy, Chip Lindsey is the guy with more pressure as a coordinator compared to what Garrett Riley has in Clemson. Yeah, well, see, my thing is with, with Lindsey, I feel like the pressure for him is for Drake May to be Drake May. As long as he does that and Carolina wins eight, nine games, I think he'll be okay. But the expectations of Garrett Riley is to get this offense back to a college football playoff level. And so I think that's why there's the most pressure on him clearly in the ACC. And one of the most uh, pressurized hires in all of college football because Clemson fans want to go back to the CFP. But real quick, we're up against it. Who is the X factor for this Clemson offense, in your opinion? Uh, Will Shipley, probably. I mean, not X factor, but I just expect that he's going to do a a lot of nice work with this team. And I will say, I think we have a new X factor for the show, though. Yeah, I think we do, too. He just pulled up on me, uh, Gerald Henderson. How about about, That's right. We didn't tease it. We didn't know if you were going to be joining us. I just want to know how lit are you right now, Gerald? I'm I'm always lit. Okay, I stay lit. <laughs> but the re- lit off life. The real question is, you know, I hear this Clemson talk, right? Uh-huh. And that's I don't know if y'all talking about the ACC, but mm-hmm. I just talked to a buddy of mine mm-hmm. who's a former uh, Clemson graduate back in the. I tell him he's, he went through in the 50s or 60s. His name's Jeff Sewell, and he played at Clemson. He was a linebacker, and he was asking me about the game on September 4th. Is mm-hmm. that Duke Clemson? Yes. Where we gonna blow them out? In the little bowl that we got. Wes is with you. Wes is with you, man. You know what? I have been in the Duke ship all season, and this is coming from uh, Demon Deacon. I have said that you guys are going to upset Clemson. I'm a huge fan of Riley Leonard, and I think the fact that we're kind of brothers of of another because our football programs get the pat on the head when you're good. You don't get the respect. People look at it and say, oh, it's just Duke. Oh, it's just Wes. And Duke is really good. (laughs) They've got a ton of high end talent, and so I think that everybody. He's disrespecting them, and I think that's going to play in their favor because that's going to be the greatest atmosphere they've ever had at Wallace Wade. That place is going to be a madhouse. They at the crib, man. That's what I'm saying. That's Come why. On. That's why I'm picking Duke for the win. If it was at Clemson, I'd say maybe they lose a close game. But at Duke, I just feel like some environment. Sometimes you're walking into a buzzsaw. I just feel like that the Duke fans are going to be electric because of what they did last year, what they've got back. They're going to be ready to go for Clemson. Especially in the beginning of the season. Yeah, right? that's They're, what I'm saying. The first game. Clemson, Hope floats. Right. Clemson may go ahead and win a national championship. They can go do that stuff that they do. <laughs> but in the beginning of the season, yeah. Clemson is not who they will be, you know, three months down I'm the line. Be 100%. Uh, Gerald, is it fair to say that Duke is a football school now? Well, let's not get, let's not get crazy up in here. Just asking, man. Come on, I know we lit, but let's not get crazy up I in here. I just wanted to know how lit you were. Well, we're no, I, I would never make that mistake. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, certainly, you know, I know no, I don't know one player on that Duke team, right? But I'll tell you what, they are uh, excited to play. You know, I just was at Duke a couple weeks ago. They're training. I know the Duke players on the basketball team are ready to go. We know that's going to be every single year. Yeah. And um, <laughs> John Shire, my buddy, is is um, he had a great year last year. You know, with the team, and he did. And, you know, it was it was looking it was looking a little you know flux for a little bit, but they right. came in the end of the year, and I think 
uh, gave a good showing. All right, so. before before you tee off real quickly, just a couple questions. Let's get to the meat and potatoes. People okay. want to hear your Duke takes. What is going to be the difference and maybe some of the similarities and differences from this year's team compared to John Shire's first year? Well, obviously they have you know a bunch of guys that left for the NBA, a couple guys that left, but also they have some experienced guys coming back. So. Um, you know, I think they've – I've been there this summer a couple times. They're working. They have some talent um, like we do every single year. And I think for John specifically, you know, coming in in that first year is, is a difficult thing to do. And I think he managed the shit pretty well. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to another great year. I'll be there supporting as, as a lot of the guys will. Hey, Gerald, tell me your, your views on Flip, man. Do you feel like that this guy uh, is definitely going to come in and just pick up where he left off, ride that momentum from last season, and then give me your NBA draft evaluation mm. of him? You being a guy that was a solid player in the NBA, do you feel like that he's going to be able to come in and make an impact after two years in Durham? Yeah, I think so. I, I think the biggest thing, and you, you've seen it with multiple guys, you know, kind of floating around, figuring out if they're going to, um, you know, come back to school or go to the NBA. The biggest thing is attitude. You know, if he comes back, um, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a good kid, you know, so I, I assume he'll have a great attitude. But if he comes back with the attitude like, hey, I'm trying to make the most of this year, lead this team like he did last year, um, and be a better player, right, figure out, you know, how he can score better, um, you know, he was their go-to guy when they needed a bucket last year. He can put it on the floor. He can shoot the basketball. But you just need more of it, right? They're coming back a second year. He's just got to bring more and bring more of that consistency. And, um, you know, I think he's he's a great leader for their team. Wes, when you bring up Flip, I can't help but think of Flip Murray, man. That's, that's, <laughs> the, that's the Flip I think of. Bobcat hey. legend, 9 10 Played hey. in the rookie year, right? I, I played with Flip. He's he's a, I got a great Flip story. Please tell so, us. You know, Flip's from Philly. He he always tried to tell me, you know, I'm on I'm from the outskirts of Philly, which I was, which I am. And uh, so we're we're getting in training camp, and you know, I'm a hungry kid. You know, I'm trying to, you know, Larry Brown won't go let me play anyways as a young player. <laughs> but you know, it was it was who was starting at the two? Stephen Jackson, and you had a couple guys. You had Flip. He was always, you know, probably going to come off the bench, and then it was me. Crash was on that team, of right. course. Right, absolutely. And I was trying to, I'm trying to get in these reps, man. I'm, they got to see me. Yeah. You know, if if I if you ain't going to play me, at least you going. There's going to be a reason that you that you don't play me. So I'm gonna get out there and practice. And I kept trying to go in with the second team, right? Jumping in front of them when when the five guys would go on. And so one time I did it, and Flip stopped the whole practice. He said, "Hold up, hold up." <laughs> he looked at me. He said, "Rook." Third team. <laughs> Third team, Rook. You got me? Third team. And he bumped me off. And I'll never forget that. But Flip Murray, one of the funniest cats you ever going to find in your life. And he can get a bucket. I mean, the Kenny Lofton of the NBA, just a one-year mercenary for so many franchises. Oh, yeah. Shaw's finest. I'm glad. I'm so glad we got a Flip Murray story today. Oh, yeah. That's a good day of radio. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. No doubt. Take us home, Wes. All right, man. Well, when we come back on the Wes and Walker Show, we're going to talk more Panthers. Does Frank Reich and the coaching staff have the right design this preseason? That and more on the Wes and Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. 
So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We are live from the Joe Moss Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament at the Rolling Hills Country Club. Real quickly, go check out the Joe Moss Foundation. They focus on helping children and families in need, but not only the children and the families in need, the animals in need, animal rescue, and our hometown heroes throughout the Mecklenburg, Union, and Stanley Counties. A lot of foundations, they'll focus on particular needs, but the Joe Moss Foundation has a passion for children, families, animals, heroes in general, police officers, nurses, veterans, firefighters, and even emergency medical services. Specialists, go to their website, www.joemossfoundation.com. Find out how you can help. There are plenty of ways. And if you have any questions still isn't clear to you, just call or text 828-403-5957. Very cool to see Gerald Henderson stop by, hang out with us a little bit. I did not expect to get a Flip Murray story, but I can't help it. I'm sorry. Like, I know Kyle Filipowski in ACC country probably uh-huh. is going to be the real Flip standing up, but Flip Murray <laughs> still has a special place in my heart because he played the one year with the Bobcats and was a bucket. Yeah. Like, just a, a short dude that was out there getting buckets for the Bobcats and was like the Kenny Lofton, as I said, bouncing around. But also, really cool to hear from Gerald supporting the football and the basketball team this upcoming season. No doubt about it. And I definitely want to, uh, you know, I didn't want to pull up on him too hard for interrupting me during my Clemson X Factor, but it was still, it was all good. That's Gerald. That's my man. Uh, as I said, he was very supportive and helpful uh, when I got that Hornets job. But would it be okay if I gave the Clemson X Factor really quick? Wow, like, you really want to get this take yeah, off. I mean, badly. you know, I want to get the Clemson X Factor. You got to give yours. I'm, I want to give mine. Can, can we, can we, well, I mean, I bear, the only reason I gave one is because I didn't want to stop. I wanted to answer your question, but like Gerald is sitting here. Uh, this is how much I, go ahead. The, the take, it's hilarious. <laughs> like you, Gerald Henderson stopping by, he's got to, he's got to go to the tee box. We were like, oh, oh, Gerald, Gerald Henderson, please hold. I got to give my Clemson X Factor. I thought here. we were going to save him for the, the next break because I didn't know if we had enough time, but I'll make it. Quick, All right. Man. No, go, no, you good. Collins, no, I, I want to, no, tell me about Bo. Yeah, Why is he the X Factor, man? I mean, this is a guy that came out and, you know, he had a lot of gas as a recruit and came in and he was supposed to be uh, the next great Clemson wide receiver when he came in. A lot of expectations. He did average 17 yards a catch, but 373 yards. Five touchdowns, though. He is a 50 50 ball threat. And I think if they can get him uh, to produce up to the level, not even as close to maybe what they wanted him to be as a recruit, but if he can be really solid and stay healthy to go along with Antonio Williams. I think okay. that'll go a long way for this Duke offense. All right, that, that, is the, that is the West Bryant Clemson X Factor That's right. take for your face. That's right. You were going to get this take. <laughs> Gerald Henderson ain't stopping it. Nobody is Nobody. stopping it. Nobody. And that will conclude the <sighs> offensive portion of Team Week, even if it was a little delayed. We'll talk about we'll the defense it. tomorrow. A big thanks to Gerald Henderson, and maybe we'll see if anybody else wants to stop by and talk to us a little bit. Got to get to some Carolina Panthers conversation, yes. though. So a couple of things mentioned by Frank Reich earlier today during media availability before we get to the play calling here in the preseason. One, Miles Sanders 
not. Uh, he's going to be a game-time decision against Detroit, so might play, might not. I think Miles Sanders might have said, like, it's preseason for a reason, mm-hmm. so we'll see if Miles plays. I'd rather him not. I'd rather him just go ahead and suit up for the regular season. I don't need to see Miles Sanders out there. That's not necessarily a position for me where I think he needs to learn the nuances. I'm not trying to say it's real simple as a running back, but, man, I, I don't need to see in the preseason. Let's go ahead and hold out on the regular season. LaVisca Chenault does enter the concussion protocol, mm-hmm. so somebody that they've been talking about a lot, Wes, as a gadget player that's going to be quite interesting. We'll see if he's going to be ready to go week one. You know how concussions can linger a little bit longer. Who knows, right? The timetables on concussions are uh, kind of up in the air. So anything you want to say about some of those comments from Frank Reich earlier today? Uh, Yeah, I mean, the LaVisca Chenault thing, that's definitely not a a great thing to hear uh, when you talk about that wide receiver room. So hopefully uh, he can get back quickly. And then uh, just, you know, I'm just excited for Friday. I just can't wait to see uh, this offense and and see what else they can do. Uh, Oh, really quickly, go ahead. Oh, and I was just going to say, say too with Miles Sanders not playing I'd like to see him at least get a couple of series uh, I want to see him I want to see the offense in its full capacity uh, out there together uh, for a couple of series two three however many you want to play them just to see what they could do because there are going to be some little nuances especially in the passing game that he's going to have to learn uh, you're talking about blitz pick up some of those different things as well I know running back you want to keep as uh, much contact off of their bodies as you can and I'm not saying you have to get him in there and give him eight carries and two possessions but I'd like to see the offense as a full unit just to see uh, what they can do with a little bit of time out there on the field. All right so they pro- they tried to provide continuity at the right guard spot with Chandler Zavala they weren't doing the rotating door with the starters thing they were saying Zavala he's going to be our guy with the ones and then we'll move on with the twos and threes so on and so forth. If Miles Sanders got in there as well then you would be pretty much at full capacity right? Mm-hmm. You're talking about about all your receivers playing you're talking about Bryce Young playing and every single one of the guys that you think are going to start along the offensive line outside of Austin Corbett that's the one thing not making you go full go in the middle portion of the season but Miles Sanders out there would allow you to do that and if that's the case then I wonder just how much they would show with the play calling because that's all the rage as far as the conversation goes Frank Reich talked about how vanilla they were against the Jets I thought they showed a little bit more against the Giants you're putting guys in motion you're going with with more play action. Thomas Brown did the same thing once he started calling the second half. But do you think Frank Reich has had the right kind of design this preseason? Uh, I mean, it's still hard to get past the comments of, you know, not trying to put guys in a position uh, to be successful. So I would say I, I haven't necessarily agreed with the way they wanted to go about things. I get you want to be vanilla. I get you don't want to show much. But they're new staff. There's a lot of new pieces uh, on this team and on this offense. So I would have liked to have seen at least a little bit of what you're going to do in the regular season. Give us a little taste. I mean, we've heard about how NFL playbooks are hundreds of pages thick and they have hundreds of plays. So you're telling me in the course of a game that you can't give me 20, 25 plays maybe of of what you're going to run. And they don't even have to be that exotic, but just let me see a little bit uh, uh, of what you've been doing. As far as how long he has played guys I haven't had an issue with that I thought he's given the offense adequate time to be out there not playing uh, certain defensive players I mean I'm, I'm cool with that uh, as well but uh, as far as just the being a little bit too vanilla especially to start the preseason have not agreed with that well I mean yeah I don't I'm with you on the comment I don't like the comment either 
I also don't know if he meant it to the extent that we're taking it. I, I think what he meant, and he said it real poorly, which messaging is a part of the gig. Mm -hmm. Get the messaging right if you don't want any problems and us talking about how much we had a problem with what you said. But, yeah, not putting guys in the right positions to succeed, it's not a good comment. I also think that what he meant was we're not doing everything we can to make sure that we're doing all of this crazy offensive stuff to catch the defense slipping where we're even bringing guys to the sideline and doing the whole fake, hey, we're talking about a play, and then mm -hmm. boom, you snap it real quickly, and you're bringing out all the trickery. I do think we got to see a little bit more against the Giants, right? Like we, we did see a nice blend of – we're going to create opportunities for Bryce Young to get outside the pocket. We're going to make sure that, you know, Mingo was open. They brought a blitz, and then Mingo was open. Bryce Young had the right read there. You're talking about even, you know, a corner route on what was a third, and I forget what the situation was after he got sacked. But Hayden Hurst, you know, go, they went for it, right? I mean, they went for it, and they were three yards short. Yeah. So I don't think that they were just so vanilla where it's halfback dive, three-step drop back, slant curl i don't think it was anything like that i think yeah. they brought a little bit more and i i'm cool with that in the preseason because I, I i mean i do think you don't want to show a lot mm -hmm. i mean i don't want to show a lot of the creative uh, creativity that you might have here now do you find any difference with what frank reich did in the first half and the second half with thomas brown or is it all cut from the same cloth uh you know and that one is it, difficult to tell because i'm not sure what all you know frank reich has in his bag and vice versa i just know that the offense moved more and i think a lot of it too you could put on the shoulders of matt corral it looked like uh you know he was just out there playing free uh you know just a, a an offense to where he was out there just very comfortable and making plays i thought they it seemed like they were a little bit more just aggressive as far as they were just it seemed like they were attacking a little bit more in the second half and i think that's what resulted in the points uh, that we saw, whereas I think with the first-team offense, I think they were attacking to an extent, but like you said, holding uh, some things close yeah. to the vest. That, that's what's so frustrating is those mistakes held you back from feeling good. Chandler Zavala holds, and that ruins what could have been a fourth and short opportunity. Icky passes it off to a tight end that wasn't there, and Thibodeau has a free run to Bryce Young. I mean, both of those plays, just boom, implosion. Now, you have been bringing this up the past couple of days, too, on the Giants having a penalty that allowed that mm -hmm. drive to continue on, which is true. So it's not even that they got to that point all on their own merit, but it did seem like they were able to capitalize enough for the field goal and a couple of good plays in order to put themselves in a position to potentially score and that's when we got the holding that's when we got the miscue with Iki Kwanu and uh, whatever tight end he thought he was throwing that to I did want to get to Frank Reich on how much he's playing Bryce Young because he did the same thing each of the last two games a couple series in the first and then you go into the second and really it's just one series and that's it here's Frank Reich talking to the media about why Bryce isn't getting as much playing time so far. You know, it's always that healthy tension between, you know, getting them enough reps, getting our guys enough reps, and exposing them to undue risk of injury. You know, when you go up against that defensive scheme we went up against last week where it's a blitz fest or, or it can be a blitz fest, it's like, you know, is it really how much of it is worth it? It was great to prepare for it, to have to go through the mental exercise of, hey, we got to get ready for all these blitzes. But then, you know, you just wait. It's risk-reward on how much do you play. What do you make of Frank Reich's comment there on Bryce Young's playing time? Uh, 
you know, I mean, I, I think that obviously he's going to do what he feels like is in the best interest of Bryce Young. And as far as just, you know, what he wants to see out of the offense. And according to Bryce Young, he's saying that everything that's been done this preseason is by design. And I'm doing air quotes as I say that. So uh, I just feel like, you know, that this is a team that I guess Coach Riker is getting out of obviously he doesn't want some of the miscues and some of the things that have happened but just as far as his design like I would imagine this is how he wanted it to go as far as the reps that he wanted Bryce to get the things that he wanted him to see and the plays uh, that he wanted to run so here's my philosophy on this I actually like what Frank Reich is doing as far as the amount of time Bryce Young is playing Mm -hmm. because you have some people in one camp like a Mike Lombardi who's saying Frank Reich needs to be fired for wanting his quarterback to get hurt. Honestly, would have done the same exact thing he did against the Jets. Would have put him out there for every single one of those series and would have taken him off right at that time. Frank Reich took Bryce Young out of the game after the sack that he took. Okay, he got hit. He got back up. Guess what I'm not about to do is play with that anymore. Let's bring him to the sideline and let him get to the Giants game. What does he do here? You got some pressure from the offensive line not playing maybe better, but still not well. And so let's give him three series. We had one nice throw to Hayden Hurst that got called back. We had a nice hookup between him and Mingo. We get to see him play out of the pocket. We saw enough for me to be cool with what Bryce Young did. Let's bring him to the sideline. And then I'm cool with people like me, people like you, talking about how you might want to see Bryce Young a little bit more, and then we can forget it once we get to the regular season. Because once you get to week one, it doesn't matter anymore. You might have some people trying to focus, well, if he just would have played a few more series in the preseason, all this stuff would be figured out. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I mean, if you are so confident in that, then fine. You can take that win if it takes them two games to get right on offense. But I'm not, I'm going to be cool if you only play him three series per game on average to make sure he gets to the regular season. Wes, where does this season go if Bryce Young doesn't play? Real bad. I don't want to talk about him as much. Panthers know that. This is all about Bryce Young this year. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about their ability to compete. We've talked about the rest of the makeup. But make no mistake, it is all about the number one overall pick that you traded up to go get. And if he's not healthy to go in the regular season, bye. Yeah, A lot of eyeballs are not going to be paying attention nearly as much in some of those primetime games. Hey, get ready for Andy Dalton's third try. <laughs> yeah. This is the third, fourth team he's playing for. Yeah. Guys, get ready. Yeah. It's all about Bryce, man. Get him healthy to the regular season. No question. And, I mean, I, I think, though, in the preseason – you know, I feel like it's good to get out there and get the reps. And even for him to take some hits to feel that NFL life, just to feel uh, what it's going to be like. You don't want him to take too many hits. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm okay with him uh, taking a lick or two and then figuring it out from there. But as far as just the plan is going, two to three series per game, I think that's good enough work to get you prepared for week one. And I think the way that it all unfolded against the Giants, it means you're going to see him, I think, for a similar amount of time in yeah. Preseason game I think three. so, too. If you had a good touchdown drive and he comes out and throws for, I don't know, 70, 80 yards and the offense is humming, you might only see him a couple times, right? I, I think they want to put together and Maybe finish. Maybe see him just once. Yeah, if, if they finish, if they if they give you a good drive. So we'll see what happens there. Maybe we could talk a little bit more about that later on. We have a visit to the mound coming up from Fiddy back at the Planet Kia Studios. We're out here at the Rolling Hills Country Club for the Joe Moss Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament. We're on Celeb Watch. We're trying to figure out if anybody's going to let us take a celeb shot off of the tee. Just talked with Gerald Henderson. We'll let you know the other athletes 
athletes, the other celebrities that walk across our path. It's Wesson Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ, Rolling Hills Country Club for the Joe Moss Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament. Just had a chance to talk with Gerald Henderson. We took a picture. Colin was taking the picture, and he said, you guys look great except for you, Walker. I was like, all right. You know, and I looked at the picture, and I can confirm Colin was not lying. My shirt's blowing out. It looks like I'm real fat I down think below. You're great, man. I think you look great. Yeah, I, and I appreciate so hard it. On yourself. Well, this is the problem. The shirt, you know, we're wearing our WFNZ polos. The polo is a little big, and my body is a weird body anyway. Real tall, but skinny, but then you got to go with the double XL, and so it makes you look big, especially with the wind blowing out. Guess another problem we've had? I, I had the same problem with our headshots. You know, you came in with the fire jacket, being all sorts of you, showing your personality. <laughs> I was trying to be buttoned up, so I wear a polo, and it makes me look like – it, and it's a weird kind of fatness because I'm okay from, like, the chest up, and then it looks like I'm smuggling a beach ball under my shirt from the bottom. That's, I won't, I, it I won't happened again. Walker slander from Walker. It happened again, Wes. Colin, Colin said it. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you that he was right. But you look great. Gerald looked great. I'm just look. It's it's tough to go against two D1 athletes when you're out here trying to do a radio show, man. Listen, man. He he, he looked great, man. Don't let him fool you. Okay. He's being bashful. Well, you can go clown me if you want to. Go follow us on Twitter at Weston Walker at West Bryant underscore seventy two mm-hmm. and HTB uh, underscore Josh at Walker Mail. Plenty of handles that you can go follow. And now we need to go kick it back to the Planet Kia Studios. Josh Fitty Marlowe will take us for the rest of the segment with a visit to the mound. Come on! We'll take you on right here, right now! Come on! Hurry up, Batter. It's gonna be a short game and I gotta get home for lunch. The butt dog was as ugly as you. I'd shave his butt. You tell him to walk backwards. Is that your sister out there in left field? Naked? She's naked? You think she'd go out with me? tell you guys a team that played ball and played ball well last night and that would be the ragtag team that's been put together since the trade deadline the new york mets who beat the atlanta braves last night 10 to 4 down at truist snapping a seven game losing streak in atlanta and they did so courtesy behind a three-run home run from francisco lindor here's what it sounded like on sny the <laughs> door is 0 for 7 in his career against Hand, but he drives this one to the gap in left center field, headed back toward the fans' head. It's out of here! Francisco Lindor with a three-run homer, number 23 
the seats in left center, and the Mets now have a 10-4 lead in Atlanta. You know, if if y'all would have told me before the season started that the team that the Mets are running out there right now would beat the Braves more than the $376 million team they put together in free agency to beat the Braves would, I would tell you you're lying, but that's what's happened. The Mets were 1-5 against the Braves before the All-Star break. And since the Braves, it's not much better. They're 2-4 they're against Atlanta since the All-Star break, but they've beaten them more than the, the, the group of superstars that they collected to try to take down Atlanta. So last night was a fun night to be a Met fan, but that's not what we're here to talk about. I teased yesterday that we were going to talk about the history that Wes's man, Julio Rodriguez right. completed over the weekend. And in case you Seven guys in a row. And in case you missed it, over a, a four-game span starting in the middle of last week that went into the weekend, Julio Rodriguez collected 17 hits, which is the most ever in a four-game span since 1901. Furthermore, while he collected those 17 hits, he also stole five bases. Prior to that, the most hits in a four-game stretch with at least five stolen bases was 13, and that was achieved by Ty Cobb twice, and then Blake McBride did it in 1974. Wes mentioned it. They have also won seven straight. They're now two games out of the division lead in the AL West, and Shohei Otani might be a Los Angeles, uh, LA Angel for right now, but the Mariners are going to be a team that's going to be up for his services in free agency. And, Wes, with the way your dude's playing right now, it makes it easy to see why Shohei might be in Seattle next year. Yeah, big balling, man. That previous record for hits previously belonged to Milt Stock, who had 16 hits. <laughs> That's a great baseball games name. As a member of the 1925 Brooklyn Robins. So this was a hollowed record. He also tied Stock's other record with his fourth straight game of at least four hits, man. So J-Rod has got the Mariners rolling, and they're sitting there now two games back of the division. Go Mariners! Um, Milt Stock. That is the Milt Stock that you're thinking of, of the 1925 Brooklyn Robins. Milt stock yes. mind you mm -hmm. a great baseball name real quickly another record that i'm seeing here on a yahoo sports report for julio rodriguez tallied 21 hits that's the most in a calendar week since charlie blackman notched 21 between june 10th and june 16th of 2019 so not as impressive of going back to the early 1900s but still first time anybody's done that in a couple of years julio's balling you bring him and shohei on the same team it might not be mike trout and Shohei, but man, the way that Julio is actually available for these games yes, might even be a better tandem just because you get to see him on the baseball field. Come on to Seattle, baby. I'll cop the jersey. I'll be a hype beast. All right, what else you got for us, Fitty? Walker, did you see the rumor around your White Sox? I have a feeling I'm being set up for a joke here, but I'll play along. No, I did not see the rumor. Well, you know that your owner is reportedly interested in selling his majority stake in the team. And with oh. new ownership maybe on the rise, relocation may be in the cards. Now, oh, tell wow. me, Walker, who is their AAA affiliate of the Chicago White Sox? Oh, here you the go. Charlotte here you go. Knights. Here you go. Yep, it's the Charlotte Knights. Where are you getting at, Fitty? Well, so you would think that if they were to relocate, they would relocate to the, to the Queen City, correct? 
I mean, I guess. It's I have, you're, you are you are teasing me, and you are not pleasing me at all. Fiddy, what else do you have? Uh, well, that's because they're not pleasing the way they should be teasing because the <laughs> relocation rumors, if this were to transpire, would have the club relocating to Nashville. Not Charlotte, yeah. not a team that, you know, their AAA affiliate is already here. You have, you know, 17 White Sox fans already established in the already established here in the, in, in the Queen City. <laughs> it just makes absolutely no sense. I I don't get this thirst to get baseball in Nashville. I truly don't. I think Charlotte makes so much better sense for a baseball market than the Music City does. But can I tell you, and this maybe will be a shock to you, you might get offended. I know the White Sox are to Chicago, what the Mets are to New York. They're they're an afterthought. They're definitely the second team in the Windy City, but they're a historic franchise. Them leaving Chicago, I don't think is good for baseball. I would hate it. Look, th- I would agree with that as well. So the Chicago White Sox, actually, you're right, Fitty. They are a historic franchise, and they also had they also welcomed the culture in a big old way when Ice Cube is wearing the White Sox logo constantly, and they infiltrate hip hop culture yes. and brought some new baseball fans. You're also on the South Side, the rough. The rugged. It's very different from Wrigleyville, Wrigleyville, where you have your pinky out and you're drinking wine and you're watching and you're drinking beer. And okay, yeah, that's all cool. We're doing that a little bit on the South Side, but it's much more of the blue collar type of baseball team that I'm about pulling for in Chicago. I don't want to see them go to Nashville, but you're right, Fiddy. Nashville has been a city that everyone has been talking about possibly getting a Major League Baseball franchise. And here's the other thing. You brought up the owner of the White Sox. Just for anybody that doesn't know, it's Jerry Reinsdorf. Jerry Reinsdorf, owner of the Chicago Bulls, was also featured heavily in The Last Dance, of course, as you know, of the guy moving on after the 98 season, saying no more Michael, no more Scotty. That's that Jerry Reinsdorf. Man, despite being in Chicago for so long, if you move to the White Sox, they got fans up there. I mean, it, it's not like they're it, not going to be happy. About no, they're not going to be happy. So I hope it doesn't happen. Even with the lease ending at guaranteed rate field, whatever business, super corporate business name they have that I can't stand and want to throw up about. Uh, I want you to stay at the stadium. Just rename it. So, all right. Now that he's got me angry, he, <laughs> he made you happy talking baseball. He made me angry talking baseball. <laughs> Thanks for nothing, Fiddy, back at the Planet Kia Studios. We're here at the Rolling Hills Country Club for the Joe Moss Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament. And that will conclude our visit to the mound. We have a whole hour to get to on the other side of the break. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Thank you.